Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Imagine, imagine you're Mark Delaney, right? You know, you've been given, uh, let's say, 18 hours to prepare, get a team together and play Liverpool in an FA Cup game that's going to be televised. And John Terry keeps fucking ringing you. <laughs> Like, what does this cunt want? <laughs> like, what was John Terry saying to Mark Delaney on these phone calls? <laughs> All right, mate, this is mad, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God, I hope I don't get it, eh? <laughs> Hi, guys, Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. Absolute fucking shambles. Out of the cup. 4-1. Hammered again. At home. Disaster. Smith out. Nah. I'm going to start with uh, possibly the greatest tweet of all time. From Peter Spencer. This must be what it's like to be a Leeds fan. Lose 4-1 and get all the praise. <laughs> That's certainly what's happening. Obviously completely different circumstances. Uh, points of young lads thrown together. 24 hours beforehand they were told they were going to be playing the champions of England these boys hadn't even been playing together they hadn't played a match in four weeks one of them was pulled back from a loan spell it was just a, a shit show trying to put a team together never mind put a a good team together to be able to compete with Liverpool um, but they did it and I thought the scenes when Louis Barry scored was just uh, it just warmed the heart like it was genuinely just a bunch of teenagers who couldn't believe what was happening and they were over screaming in each other's faces it was really really nice and like just they, they did compete I don't like I was reading a piece today it was like uh, you know Mark Delaney told him Villa fans love effort and if you try your hardest for this club then you know, you'll you'll do well. And it's like that's the same for every fan of every club. Like who doesn't want to see players try hard? Well, these boys did try really hard, and they did really well, and they did themselves proud. Um, should never have been in the situation, but I'm sure they were delighted with it. And it actually got me thinking <laughs> about Pep Guardiola. Remember the Burnley game two years ago, where he only named six subs because he mm. said 
any other players. You couldn't find one more player lying around Man City, the most expensively assembled squad and youth system in the world. He just brought six players instead of seven on the bench. And when I was seeing how much this meant to the Villa players and how good it's going to be for a lot of them, and just how, you know, it was people were tuning into this, I think, because of what was happening. It was a nice story. And I thought, what an absolute prick Pep Guardiola is. Just, a, just an absolute mess of a man. But, um, yeah. So, what, what do you think, Liam? This is like, a, this is the magic of the cup, as they say. Yeah, I mean, you put you put a positive spin on it there, but like, let's not get away from the fact there was an absolute capitulation between the 60th and 65th minute. I mean, <laughs> these boys are going to have to learn that it's not good enough to concede three goals in five minutes against any opposition, let alone the champions. If you do that, you're not going to win very many football matches. <laughs> well, do you want to get into that now? <laughs> no, but like you've covered a lot of it there, but yeah, on a more serious note, the fact that it took Liverpool an hour to put the game away is absolutely incredible and it's not the same as being a legionnaire fan it's particularly if you consider the fact that they conceded after four minutes like no matter how positive mentally strong those boys are how much it was reinforced by the management team or even by the senior players on social media which is great to see before the game and during the game actually but you can see that early it could easily have destroyed them psychologically and then on the scoreboard yeah, you know, oh fuck, it's going to happen. Everything we feared. I mean, if <laughs> if Tyrone Mings was on the pitch, that could have been a lot worse. Could have been over a lot more quickly with his propensity for downing tools and disassociating himself from the the incoming shitstorm. But but he, but even even in a wider context, like you know, not only like the team was assembled, hadn't played in four weeks, five of them were under seventeen. Like they've never had to play like this before. Like they would yeah. never have had to have been so tight and so disciplined and so defensive. Yeah. So to put in a performance like that and against the English champions, it's it's right that everybody's applauding it. This isn't the same as saying well done to Leeds for losing six two to Manchester United. And again, it's it's um again, they're delighted probably that they got the chance, of course they are, but the fact that this game had to go ahead is just it, it, this is the worst thing about English football and English media, I think. Like, you know, the idea that the FA Cup couldn't possibly be moved around, it's just so stupid. And what's actually the most annoying thing about this is the narrative that you would see on social media of people who are just gladly accepting that as well. You know, people are like, hang on, why was the Man City game or the Newcastle game postponed? Everyone's like, ah, but the FA Cup fourth round is in two weeks' time. It's like, well, fucking move the FA Cup fourth round. The FA Cup fourth round? Who gives a fuck? Move it back. Like, you know, as if it would be sacrilege to tamper with the FA Cup fourth round and say, like, that can no longer be played in the first weekend of February. Like, what does that even mean? Like, the, you know, the FA Cup finals on May 15th, nothing we can do about that. You know, if you can move the Premier League, a competition that people actually care about and a competition that actually matters, and if you can say that, like, you know, we'll finish the Premier League at some unspecified date as long as it's done before August, you can do it with the FA Cup. No, again, who gives a fuck? Like, you know, nobody wants to be in the FA Cup anyway. But it's just it's just a shambles that the, the game had to go ahead, especially at such short notice. Yeah, there's absolutely no doubt about it. The FA Cup is the worst competition in the footballing calendar. All the FA Cup does is get in the way of weekend Premier League fixtures. Yeah. That's, oh, that's all it does. And then when your season's over, if you've managed to stumble your way into the final, 
then then it's interesting then it's important but before that who you're right who gives a fuck i mean at least the efl the carling cup or whatever it is now the carabao cup yeah at least that midweek that adds a bit of extra spice a little bit of extra something at the start of the season you get to see more of your squad it's it's, it's a really good competition for fans well certainly for me and i'm a fan <laughs> yeah a liverpool fan actually um said to me yesterday like you know were you were you saying the same thing last year you know when villa hammered liverpool's youngsters because i was saying about the fa cup because if you couldn't move that back and liverpool were obviously away playing a, a world cup um where the efl cup quarterfinal was supposed to go ahead uh they didn't have to play they, they still have a, a wider squad to choose from like they didn't have their entire first team squad including players like chucky mwenka who couldn't even play either because like he's been training with the first team squad so even though he's an underage player and this would have been a big break for him like he, he just couldn't be part of it because he was part of that part of that bubble but my only response to this was the efl cup is an infinitely better competition than the fa cup so so I do uh, take a bit more take it a bit more seriously and say that the show must go on with that, especially like yeah, Liverpool playing the World Cup. It's different to COVID. Yeah, uh, I actually thought that was a really weird decision from Liverpool. I mean, could they not have just sent their second string eleven to that quarterfinal and really? brought the youngsters as the subs for the World Club Cup? Yeah, I mean, like, would Shakiri not have been better served playing in a Carling Cup quarterfinal? Yeah, instead of just sitting on the bench and not playing over in Qatar. Yeah, or definitely, like, at the very least, they could have done a mixture of it. You know, mm-hmm. they still wanted... Uh, like, what, what, it would have had a been... would never have happened, like, worst-case scenario, like, that, that so many players got stricken down when they were away. Yeah. You know, had to start digging into to those recesses of their squad. Like, that, that would never have happened. So, just had a lot of players there filling in the numbers, and they could have done that with younger players, yeah, and had players play... In a quarter-final match, like you know, it was a it was a big game. It was EFL Cup. Villa ended up going to the final, like Liverpool would have. But um, yeah, sort of concerned a bit now about the preparations for the Spurs match, which is supposed to be Wednesday. You know, just the fact that you're not training, and on top of that, like you know, we just don't know how this is going to affect people. Like players might not be the same. Like fourteen players have been confirmed as positive cases, and like that that's at the minute. And nine of them first team players. I think that means nine of the eleven that usually starts. Like, you know, most of them will probably come out the other side of it, okay. But again, it's not ideal that you're not training now when other teams are, and you're not together when other teams are. But there could be long lasting effects for some of them. Like, I know there's theories about Ziek at Chelsea still suffering the consequences from it, but that that's hard to tell because he's playing with Frank Lampard, so. The, it's not a pure sample. Like we can help with COVID without Frank Lampard. That would be a, a reliable sample. But I do have an inside source at Spurs who reckons that the game won't even go ahead. So Spurs apparently are expecting to be called off anyway, and I think that would be the best thing for Villa in this situation. Yeah, that would be that would be a great outcome. Um, in a terrible situation to not have to play. Spurs with a depleted squad and to be out of the FA Cup early on, great. Yeah, uh, like, but it is, we did say if Jack Grealish got it, we should just strike down the whole squad. And I have my suspicions that somebody was listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Eight first team players have it, 14 in total. It's like, mm, yeah, let's make sure that we can absolutely not play or train because Jack Grealish has got it. Yeah. Now, I don't want to turn this podcast into a speculation of who has a very dangerous disease. Liam, 
No, neither do I. <clears throat> and I really hope that, you know, not that I want to show favouritism, but I, I hope Jack Grealish is safe and sound. So Louis Barry is Irish again. Um, obviously, he played, he played with England under-15s, and then he went to Ireland under-15s, and played with Ireland under-16s as well, before everybody in England realised how good he was, and he went back to England. He's obviously from England, but ah, watching him last night, I'm thinking, let's get him back in. Stephen Kenny needs to pick up the phone. Ireland are always short in strikers. This boy looks like he knows what he's doing in front of goals. He showed that. Although, it was a really nice ball from Callum Rowe to set him up. But it was Reese Williams exposed again for his, his lack of pace. And somebody texted me last night saying, Reese Williams is slower than you back there. <laughs> now that is damning. Uh, <laughs> but it's not, even, it's not even his lack of pace. The angle of his run, he's all over the place. And he's so much bigger than uh, Barry that he he has to do something about his body shape there to to stop that run across him. But you're right, the, when he gets through in goal, it's it's an absolutely incredibly composed and calm finish. Uh, Creven Kelleher, as an all-Irish man, didn't look great. I don't think it's a good finish, but I don't think he covers the goal particularly well. Um, and it's not that far away from Kelleher's body either. I think he probably could have reacted a bit better. But yeah, no, it's a lovely finish and. Christ Almighty, could Ireland do with a few players that can finish? Never mind finish such with such calmness. You're right. Like even his body position, it looked like you know. Now this is a split second before he hit it, but it looked like he has to go that way now. And I think a a better keeper is reading that now, and and almost getting inside. Yeah, he's probably covering the angles a bit more, or he's making his body bigger and getting inside Barry's head to make him think. Right, I have to go inside now instead of around the keeper. But um. You're like, yeah, Reese Williams, his footwork, his positioning, his speed was all a mess. And like, that was showing up when Fabinho, who was coming from midfield basically, ended up catching right up and being the closest player to Barry by the time he hit it. But, um, yeah, what, what, what do you think? Like, this boy, we, we've been waiting for him to come through. I think he still needs to develop physically. He's only 17. He's 18 in June, though. Like, you know, we've seen players come through at 17 and light it up. Like, I'm thinking of Mason Greenwood. Marcus Rashford was tearing it up at 18. Um, but he just doesn't look physically developed enough yet. But he definitely looks like he, he knows w- what he can do when he gets through. Yeah, like there was there was another one at the you know starting the game. Oh, starting the game, it was ten minutes into the game when Villa finally got a touch of the ball, and he's he goes galloping down the right wing. Yeah. And okay, and it gets bad defending again. I think who is it for Liverpool is expecting the centre half to come across and neither of them deal with it but you know he's shoulder to shoulder and he manages to nudge him off and he stays on his feet and he gets to the byline and he shows the composure and understanding that he can't cross it yet and he takes another touch closer to the byline because he's waiting for the yeah. forward to be in a position like, st- yeah yeah well, yeah that's that's high praise but uh, the physical development thing obviously it's important I mean, it's very easy to say something like, you know, Iniesta and Messi weren't big. Obviously, they, they're they still strong men. They've got a low center of gravity and stuff. But Mason Greenwood was is a lot bigger this year than he was at the start of last year. And the start of last year, he was still good. You just yeah. have to find ways to get them into the game that doesn't involve being shoulder to shoulder with Fabinho. Yeah, it's a fair point. I don't know what it is. I think maybe this is just something that you don't, you don't develop, but... I think when I think of physical development as well, I think of just a bit of explosion across the ground. Like, you know, just somebody who... It's, it's, it's not even size or even strength and all, but it's just somebody who's a man. You know, and now they're yeah. at 
capacity of like them being able to move across the ground and, and control their body and like there was one stage after that was a really nice run down the right but there was another stage where he was sort of tripping over the ball it looked like a bit of nerves as well but he looked like a kid you know i think he had reese Williams in front of him and he was thinking about whether to go around him or not and he was just sort of he looked panicky he ended up finding a teammate but then falling flat in his face and i just i just think there's a difference you know when you see a man doing that like you know it, it just it did look more controlled and stuff. Like I think the difference is when you see a man doing that, it's more embarrassing because he's a man. But like it still happens. I think that one. He tries to go past the lad. He's trying to you know show him his hips and go around him, and then the ball gets nicked away, and he turns and slips. Like that just happens to people that could have just been his his studs. But yeah. The way he gets across Williams, the confidence. Like he obviously has enough confidence in his own strength to do that. Maybe that's because he's playing with smaller players normally, but Williams is a huge man himself. And like he cuts across him, does everything right. And then, you know, yeah, a couple of seconds later, he's miles ahead of him because Williams is so slow. But yeah, I don't know. Like, if, I'd have to see him a few more times and with Villa having more of the ball before I'd be able to understand his physical capabilities. All right, we're going to get into WhatsApp winches. Don't worry, it's not about the game. I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next best thing. Oh, who, who was it that said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, lad? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship? Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. <laughs> oh, he's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. What's up, Winges? First one. Should Villa not wait to see if Ross Barkley is capable of playing more than five games before trying to sign him permanently? <laughs> well, I think he played six. Um... He played five and one minute. <laughs> All, that all comes up in his appearance count. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Uh, if you look back at Ross Barkley's career, by the time he's 23, I think, he, he played 200 games for Everton in England. And with the way Ross Barkley plays, that's, that's 200 games packed with high-intensity sprints. Yeah. So... And I think even at the start of his career, he wasn't injured. He wasn't injured at all. And I think he even had a three-year spell of just playing for Everton with no injuries at all. And then, boom, hamstring injuries roll him out for essentially the entirety of the 17-18 season. Now, that, that's worrying. But another way to think about it is that he transferred clubs during that. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he, he forced himself back too early to try and make an impression, just too eager. And But then again as well, the next season, he plays, plays 
face 50 times in a in a really good Chelsea team. Like, okay, he's, he's sharing a position with Kovacic during that season, but, you know, he still plays 50 times for a team that won the Europa League, finished third, and was managed by Sarri as well. So they're playing, they're playing really high-energy football. And the season after that, he has... He has a foot injury, but it's a bone injury. So, you know, that's irrelevant to this conversation. So I don't know. So it's, it essentially has a big injury, a hamstring injury that recurs during a whole season and rolls him out, having had no injury before that and played 200 games. And then he has another two and a half seasons of no injuries until he signs for Villa. I, like, I, I think it's, it's tricky for Villa as well because not only is Ross Barkley a very good footballer, he's a name. He carries an England international premium, generates more excitement, more headlines. Signing him shows intent and, you know, highlights that we're serious. Like, not only because we're signing a good player, but because we're signing a player that everybody, that we've all talked about, they're discussed. He's been involved at some level in the public discourse around football for eight years. He was straight into the England team. He was the new Wayne Rooney whenever he came onto the scene. You know, Ross Barkley's a big name. Jack Reedish likes him. It just whenever you sign him, it it makes it it makes it seem like Villa or Villa are really serious. Okay, this is good. This is good. I like this. Because I, 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 you know, when I go into my little spirals, I was thinking twenty-seven-year-old injury prone. You know, at the minute because he, he's missed more games than he's played for Villa. Um, now, in fairness, he's just turned twenty-seven, so it's a good age to be to be buying somebody, uh, as you say, an England caliber player. Um, and I'm still, to be honest, I'm still for buying him. You know, I want Villa to buy Barkley, but it, it, yeah, I just want to see him play again. Like, I want to know that he's he's back now. I did hear a theory that, like, you know, because Villa were going well, they just sort of they just delayed his comeback rather than bringing him back at ninety-five percent. You know, just just wait until he's a hundred percent that it's not going to come back and yeah. Uh, and I, it, it might it mightn't just be Villa that are delaying that, Conan. You know, it, it could be Ross Barkley. He missed the whole season, seventeen eighteen, with hamstring injuries. Like once you have one injury, if it recurs again, then you it really starts fucking with your head, and you're not you're not pushing it as much as you as you could. So like that that would just be the absolute nightmare scenario for him. I'm sure to. Know, have the seventeen eighteen season again. Well, hang on, because when I suggested to you the last day that Ross Barkley, <laughs> I'm questioning his appetite for it. You you shat on it. I know you're telling me that he he doesn't have the appetite for it. He's shitting himself. He doesn't want to come back. I'm saying he doesn't want to come back when he's injured. That's fair enough. <laughs> Next WhatsApp wins. Uh, this is more just in general. I think it was after what I was watching Liverpool v Southampton. If Villa were a fucking shambles, they could actually win the league. <laughs> well, you know, that's one way to look at it, but the other way to look at it is that Villa still have a game in hand to go back into the Champions League places, which clearly shows that they're not a shambles. Like, it's a missed... It's, it's, it's a really good opportunity to finish high in the league because it is a mess. Everybody's a shambles. So yeah. I don't think he can just say if Villa weren't the shambles, just everybody's a shambles, and that's what's given Villa the opportunity. Yeah, but I, I think it's more. It was it was already annoying watching United fans celebrate and win the league after they beat Villa, 
They beat Villa and Wolves, and then they were joined top after 16 games, not even halfway through, and they were all going crazy. I, I, I actually put this on record while I'm about to do it. United won't be within 10 points of the title. I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate. It's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race. Like that, and that will happen to them. That will definitely happen to them. Anyway, I don't want to get at United, but because of like, you know, the fact that they're in the running at the minute, and then Liverpool went and lost to Southampton, giving United now the the opportunity to go top. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why did Villa not just go and beat, beat United themselves, and, and then they would be the ones being talked about? Well, Villa tried to beat United. United got a lot of... United were fortunate in that game. I mean, I, I think a, a draw would have been a, a fair result, but, you know, United got a, a dodgy enough penalty and Tyrone Mings slips in his arse for a shit header for Martial. But like, the, the bigger games to worry about is the fact that they were so tactically naive against Leeds and that carried into the Southampton game. They're the real ones that we left behind. All their games we just didn't finish well. But, you know, everybody's a fucking shambles. Look, Villa... Villa's squad's not good enough to win the title. I mean, look at the state of that team they put out last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the backup team? I don't want to... <laughs> and you had Martin Keown speaking about the lineup before the game, saying, oh, it looks like they're going to they're gonna play the same system as the first team, but the quality <laughs> might not be there. Might not be there, Martin. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, last one. This is something I have been thinking about. It's time for an NBA-style Premier League bubble. So, four months away. Like, I, I, I thought this was extreme, right? And there's nobody would get on board with us. Then I realized, hang on, it actually only has four months to end the season anyway. Four months away from your families and friends. Like, you know, they've had their chance. We gave them their opportunity. You can't be trusted. Your peers let you down. Like, probably, you were probably all part of this. So, like, that, that chance is over. You don't have to go to this bubble if you don't want, and you won't. It won't affect your contract or anything. There's an opt-in, opt-out scenario. Obviously, Ross Barkley would opt-out because it isn't fancy. <laughs> <laughs> you get run off the season in a quarantine environment at St. George's Park or something. You know, so everybody's in the one place. No one goes in or out of the bubble. And we just get to play. We just get to watch football. Because I swear to God, if the Premier League gets cancelled, I am finished. I can't do this without the Premier League. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the most sensible things you've ever said. It is going to be very difficult to get through it without the Premier League. But what you also said there, Premier League players can't be trusted. So imagine we do create this bubble. Kyle Walker is going to bring the South African strain of the coronavirus into that bubble. And they're all going to be stricken. And it's it's over. Then it is over. We can't trust these lads, Conan, as you well know. That's actually a really good point. But it 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 would have to be extreme, like, you know... There's literally security guards and stuff on the outside. Fucking <laughs> It's going to be amazing in there. It'll be tough after a while mentally because you'll want out. But you're not getting out. If you do go out, you're not coming back. You know, somebody there at the fence has been like, what do you need? I'll go get it for you. And <laughs> I'm not even going to say what I need. <laughs> it's not fit for air. But um, yeah. You know, I was thinking about what would a Premier League player really need on a boring Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah. Yeah, like, what do you think, Adam? Like, is, is, is the NBA did it? Surely the Premier League did it? Yeah, and, and just think about the other opportunities here. This could be a really, really interesting big brawler. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, for a show, a show that's just imagine. really lost its its widespread appeal. Let's just have it be two hundred professional footballers. <laughs> Matt Target trying to make conversation with Jack Greenish. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Target trying to do some some uh, squats. <laughs> That'll be fucking amazing. I'd say a lot of them be up for it as well. <laughs> yeah, but the problem is you have to you have to get what it, what what would it actually be. 500 people to be up for it <laughs> i can't see that happen yeah you know all the players all the staff all the coaching you need a pile of cooks you need cleaners you need people in the hospitality industry all to give up their lives for four months we need security guards <laughs> we, need, we need to build walls around st george's park <laughs> um probably a couple of hotels in there yeah but apart from that like let's do it yeah apart from that i can't see any problem with this logistically <laughs> Um, all right, just uh, we're going to go into one category here. Might as well keep it going. Uh, questions we can't answer, but probably will. I'm not going to go through the whole thing for for these poor lads who tried their heart out last night and <laughs> had a good a good run of it. But how raging must Liverpool be that they're through to the FA Cup fourth round? <laughs> well, Liverpool obviously were taking it fairly seriously. I mean, they made eight changes to the team that were embarrassed seven two the last time they came to Villa Park. You know, they knew they knew they had to do something different to get out of the den. Um, I know, like I don't think Liverpool would be particularly raging. I, they have a few injury problems at the minute, but they've also got an amazing squad. They had to they had to call Thiago over tonight to you know to see that game through. Like yeah. Villa, Liverpool's second choice team is, is still incredible they'll they'll get far in the fa cup so long as the draw is kind enough to them without putting any strain on their first 11 if that's what they want to do it's actually it was actually a dream scenario for villa so i think the last two times they played liverpool they beat them 5-0 and 7-2 <laughs> it's like now i would be advocating to just never play your full team against them ever again don't give them the chance to make amends for the 7-2 so you can always just hold that over every Liverpool fan you know just like yeah we beat you 7-2 last time we played yeah it just doesn't count anymore just don't take them on I said that to a Liverpool fan recently and he said yeah why don't you stick that in your trophy cabinet yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair enough um how cold honestly do you think Mark Delaney was he wears shorts all the time um I, I like it I think he probably sees that as a you know, uh, this is what I did my whole football career, and now when I'm at a football match, I'm going to wear shorts. You know, that's that's me at a football game. That's how I prepare. <laughs> you know, but yeah, he had the coat, he had the hat and stuff, but it must have been fucking freezing. Like I was out for a walk yesterday, and I had so many layers on, and I was kicking myself because I didn't have a second pair of trousers. <laughs> <laughs> and he's standing there outside in a pair of shorts at Villa Park. He's a hardy man, you know, there, but there is a certain cohort of the population that they see the sun and they don't understand that that doesn't necessarily correlate with the temperature. <laughs> yeah. And they just they just wear shorts automatically. Um, yeah. And maybe Mark Delaney is in that, in that group. Um, God love him, though. It must have been fucking freezing because <laughs> he was essentially just standing there watching the match. And even after he scored, yeah, he looked happy. But like, it's not like he was running up and down. He wasn't, you know, doing a Mourinho warming up by sprinting all the way to the corner flag and sliding <laughs> yeah. on his knees. He was just standing there and did a, a little gentle fist pump. Yeah, it was, must have been miserable. I can't believe yeah, he wasn't a bit a bit happier about it. I'd say he was still a bit shell-shocked just at what he had gone through the last 24 hours. And it was like, 
I was reading just everything that had to go into preparing like up to and including these teenagers being dropped off by their parents at the stadium and stuff for the, for the game like it was crazy and like they didn't have any shirts obviously so we had to get new ones printed but then because most of them were all under 18 they'll have a betting sponsorship at the side of their shirt so then that wasn't allowed and there's just so much little logistics that were going into it never mind trying to prepare a team for it and then <laughs> the article i think it was on the athletic that i was reading it it was like you know dean smith was checking in and helping out and john terry was helping out whatever way he could as well it's like what imagine imagine you're mark delaney right you know you've been given uh, let's say 18 hours to prepare get a team together and play liverpool in an fa cup game that's going to be televised and john terry keeps fucking ringing you <laughs> Like, what does this cunt want? <laughs> like, what? Like, let's let's do that. A question we can't answer, but probably will. What was John Terry saying to Mark Delaney on these phone calls? <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. This is mad, isn't it? <laughs> oh god, I hope I don't get it. Hey. <laughs> or Mark Delaney might actually ring John Terry one time and be like, "Here, what the." You know, what, what do the assistants normally do? Or like, what, what do you think we should do here? Where, where should we go? And then Terry, like, yeah. Did you see the thing I sent on to you on Instagram there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, check my stories, mate. I've got a great one with Steve. Did well there. <laughs> um, we've got two more. Is Louis Barry ahead of Keenan Davis now for you? <laughs> well, he scored. <laughs> That's like, I know Keenan Davis brings a lot. He's uh, talking about being developed and all. And he obviously brings a lot of physicality. The way Grealish was talking about him after the restart, it was like, no, no, this boy's tearing it up at training. You can't mark him. You know, so he brings that. But he, he doesn't score. He doesn't look like he's ever going to score. Louis Barry's played one game for the club and he scored. Yeah, and it was, it was, it was such a composed finish as well, which has just not been associated with Villa strikers other than Ollie yeah. Watkins for the last 10 years. So it was, it was delightful to see. He's definitely not ahead of Keenan Davis. <laughs> like, let's be honest, Keenan Davis has been always good and useful whenever he's come on. He, he causes havoc and you know he creates opportunities. But yeah, like he, he, Keenan Davis really needs to score. Like if I was, if I was working with Keenan Davis, I would only be finishing drills that I would be, I'd be working. Yeah. With. Yeah, if a football manager now, he would just be the only training <laughs> schedule that he'd be doing was all finishing. But like I think I think you called it well like a couple of months ago when we were talking about it, just like Keenan Davis is so close to being really good. Yeah. But he needs to he needs to score and he needs to start being a bit more dangerous. Uh last one and we just mentioned him there. Why is John why is John Terry's ten K so slow? <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't really met you here, Con. I actually haven't been following John Terry's uh, exercise regime. <laughs> what, what's the ten k time? That's probably what he was ringing up, Mark Delaney, because <laughs> he's posting it on his Instagram account. Um, guess his ten k time. Uh, former professional footballer John Terry, fast enough over the ground. You're saying it's shit. Uh, fifty-five minutes. Fucking hell! You are very close. 56 minutes and 11 seconds. There you go. Um, that, yeah, that's not great. That's <laughs> not great. If I was a professional footballer, I would be, during that 15 years, I would be treating my body incredibly well. I would be living like a monk. I would be training yeah. so hard. John Terry was, okay, he's, he doesn't have, he's had some checkered history in his extracurricular activities, but he was an unbelievable professional. Yeah, 
imagine how easy it is then just after that to just say, fucking thank God <laughs> I don't have to do this anymore. And it happens, it happens to a lot of people like, you know, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo obviously is, is, the, is the classic example, but Roberto Carlos is the same. And John Terry is slipping. John Terry's not that young either. I mean, 55 minutes, 5, 10K isn't, isn't a terrible time. And we don't know that he was going full pelt there. He probably had more left in the tank at the end. Well, I was guessing that he was. Like, why would you put it up? Like, you know, I'm thinking that this must have been his record that he's posting. You know, I need to show everybody that I got 56 minutes. Do you know what? Like, you know, people are probably listening. I'm not shitting on anybody's times or anything. Like, I don't. Like, to be honest. I actually am very good with that. I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, look, that person's running very slowly. If I see anybody out, even walking and stuff, I'm always just like, fair play, because, well, A, I don't know how far they've just walked or ran. You know, so you could be seeing somebody going slow and they're 15K deep. Um, I also don't know anything about their circumstances, and it's just always just like, yeah, fair fucks, like, go for it. Like, do you go for your own targets? But I feel like it could be a bit more judgmental with John Terry, just because, as you say, he was an unbelievable professional, so that's part of me thinking. Like, he's only 40. He was playing a few years ago, and the the way that he was treating his body and treating his career and stuff, I just thought even if he had let himself go, he would be doing a bit better. Like, you know, again, not shitting on anybody's time, but he's doing 28k, or 28 minutes, 5k there, which is, like, John Terry, if he was doing that two years ago, that is such a doddle to him, and I would imagine that it's uh, still gentle enough for him now, but it seems like it's, it's tough going for him. Yeah, it's tough going for him, but you know, maybe the other way to think about it is you're just being too tough on him. John Terry loves the fucking crack cannon, just let him have it. <laughs> if you're lying around just trying to FaceTime Steve Sidwell all day, your your 10k times are gonna plummet. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um and I think that's that's all we've got for you. Don't even know when we'll be playing again. If we get this bubble sorted, it'll, it'll be grand. We'll have a proper structure on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> anything else you want to include before we go? No, I just, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll try to do a podcast, even if we're not playing next week. I don't know. Maybe send in some discussion points if you want us to talk about anything. Good shout, yeah. Send us a tweet at the Villa Podcast and on the old Gmail account, thevillapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, please do. Please help us. People have been asking us to do more podcasts, but they're not telling us what to talk about. Selfish so, uh, bastards. <laughs> this, uh, the future of this podcast is in your hands. Um, all right. Thanks very much, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.